Welcome to part one of Health System CIO's interview with Tom Kurtz, CIO at Memorial Healthcare. In this segment, Kurtz talks about how Memorial is working toward its vision of becoming a top-tier community hospital, the significant coordination that's required to stand up an alternative care site for potential COVID patients, and how they're leveraging their own expertise to help other organizations improve turnaround times with testing and reporting. So I want to talk about some of your strategic objectives and, and how those may have been affected by everything that's happened and then get into some of um, your career path. But I think uh, the best place to start is to take a high-level overview of Memorial Health System, you know, what you have in terms of the hospital offerings and where you're located. Sure. Well, Memorial Healthcare is a 162-bed hospital in mid-Michigan with about 30 practices uh, that covers six counties right in the middle of Michigan. If you uh, drew a line between the cities of Flint and Lansing, we would be right in the middle between them. Uh, so across those six counties and 30 practices, we have roughly 100 employed providers. Two of our spotlight areas that we have seen some pretty significant growth over the last five or six years have been in neurology and orthopedics. We have 11 providers in the area of neurology. Neurology is a big focus area for us at Memorial Healthcare. We have a focus on multiple sclerosis and muscular dystrophy and stroke care memory management. So we have a group of subspecialists in neurology that is our spotlight practice that we have really built upon over the last several years to 11 providers. Orthopedics as well. Uh, we have recently brought on some new orthopedic surgeons, brought on robotic surgery in orthopedics, doing robotic joint replacements. It's something new for us as an organization as well. Uh, so over our 99-year history of independence in taking care of the healthcare needs of our community, we have seen a tremendous growth in the last five to seven years to reach out to that six-county reach and really much beyond in neurology uh, with our group of subspecialists. Okay. So in terms of that growth in neurology and orthopedics, is that something where you're really just looking to provide services that may have been uh, difficult for patients to get in the area or just also trying to uh, build up your own uh, offerings? Yeah, well, I think the growth in neurology specifically has been based upon a highly talented provider that has built a group around his practice and has really built that into a multi-specialty group and has had that vision to grow our community hospital into something that can meet those needs for subspecialty neurology care in a multitude of care settings, in so much that we have also actually started to provide inpatient neurology coverage for other healthcare systems in our area based upon that growth that we've had in neurology. One of the biggest initiatives we're currently working on is we're building a pretty substantial new facility to house our neurology, orthopedics, and a new community wellness center. Um, and that new facility is geared towards those patients that are coming from distance to seek care from our subspecialists. So in their visit, they can do everything from get their MRI imaging done, get their rehab assessment or get their physical therapy assessment completed, their skills assessment done, their timed walks done, 
get that assessment by a, a physical therapist and then see the neurologist to create a treatment plan that then they can continue either with their primary care or their neurologist uh, that they see outside of our, our system. So that subspecialty care is something new for us at Memorial, and we've been building that over the last several years into quite the successful practice. We have a goal of being a high quality, number one in patient care community hospital, and then world-class in one or two specialty service lines. And, and we have been working towards that vision for the last several years, and we're starting to see that come to fruition now. Right. And as far as the building of that new facility, as well as some of the other initiatives you're doing, how was your strategy impacted when the pandemic hit and it became obvious it was not going to be a, a temporary situation? Sure. As many organizations across the country have seen, COVID has impacted healthcare significantly. And Memorial Healthcare is not immune to that. Uh, we have had several of our initiatives either delayed or, or postponed because of the different things that we wanted to do to make sure that we were prepared to, to meet the healthcare needs of our community. Again, in that 99-year history, that has been our mission to provide those needs. And we needed to ensure that everything we were doing was going to be prepared for the patients that should present to us. So we did have to postpone a little bit of that building project. It is now back in full swing, but that did get delayed for time. Uh, we've had some other initiatives that had to get delayed in terms of some geographic expansion and some other practice startups that, that did have to get delayed, again, to make sure that we were doing the things we needed to do to prepare for our patients and our community. Um, so, and there was several things that we did to prepare our organization for COVID-19, and we continually evaluate those initiatives that we've done to ensure that we're meeting those needs and continuing to address and, and take care of our patients. Right. And I imagine that was particularly the case in the beginning because this is such a unique situation. So can you talk about how your team did look at things and make changes, like what the uh, process was for that? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a very structured emergency management process that we follow. We follow the NIMS process for emergency management. And early on in the process, we stood up our incident command center to address the needs for COVID-19. And those came in three larger buckets of initiatives, I would say. And one of them was telemedicine. We see roughly 1,000 to 1,100 patients a day in our ambulatory practices. How do we continue to provide care to those patients when they are unable or unwilling to come into those practices? So we had to stand up telemedicine. We stood up telemedicine in the practices in four days. That was a, a rapid okay. expansion to, to implement telemedicine yeah. to provide care for those patients. Another bucket of initiatives that we had was in the hospital capacity. So we added two hospital units. Um, one was a COVID-specific ICU, and another was a COVID-specific step-down unit to where we added significant hospital bed capacity. In, in Michigan, we are a certificate of need state, and we got that emergency CON to add hospital capacity to be prepared for the inevitability of inpatients coming into our facility. The third real strategic item for us to manage COVID was the creation of an alternative care site. We didn't want to have those that were symptomatic and suspected of having COVID to present into our ER and potentially expose other patients. So we stood up 
a separate alternative care site right in our hospital facility where patients were able to report to a different location that would do the assessment, do the COVID testing, check for flu, strep, RSV, and clear those patients of COVID-19 before they would go either into our emergency care or if they would go into any other area of our hospital. So that alternative care site was very important for us to make sure that we had the separation and isolation of patients that were potentially COVID positive and kept keeping them out of other areas to ensure the continuity of care for patients that were not COVID-19 related. So right at the beginning, telemedicine, additional bed capacity, and alternative care site was a pretty significant rush for us to get prepared for our community. I think Memorial Healthcare, as I see other healthcare systems in our state and beyond, we were ahead of the game when it came to being prepared for that first wave of COVID-19. For something like creating the alternate care site and then having all the other pieces in place or the infrastructure necessary for that, was that part of like a disaster preparation plan or what did it take to kind of stand that up? Yeah, it took pretty significant coordination from many areas. It took some of our ambulatory folks or practice managers, it took them to get involved in the process for the registration and scheduling and, and workflow of that, that unit operating somewhat as a practice, but somewhat as an emergency room, if you will. It took the coordination of our infection control folks to ensure that, that we were keeping our employees as well as the patients safe in that alternative care site. It took the coordination of physicians and medical staff to staff that alternative care site 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And it took the facility staff to build it out, the emergency preparedness team to, to stand up our temporary beds and our temporary hospital unit inside that area, and the IT group to create that location within the EHR to create the ability for patients to get registered and to have the tests completed and done within the EHR. It was a significant team effort from across the organization to stand something like that up. Yeah, I can imagine just so many moving parts. And looking back at that, is there anything that stands out as being like really a particularly uh, a difficult challenge that had to be worked through? I think the most difficult challenge was standing up the in-house testing. Uh, mm -hmm. We very early on issued purchase orders and established our own in-house testing. I think we were the third or fourth hospital in Michigan to be able to do in-house COVID-19 testing. And doing that with the pace that was necessary to meet that need, I think was the biggest challenging part of it. There was everything from the supply chain to the tests being set up in our lab, to being certified, to being able to process those tests effectively, having the collection materials at hand to be able to collect specimens to run through that testing. That has been and continues to be probably the most significant initiative throughout the entire COVID-19 strategy. Uh, even now with our drive-through testing clinic, we're adding an additional drive-through testing clinic in another county. We have done a significant amount of work to provide the testing needs for our community. And, and I think that was the single biggest initiative that we had throughout this process. Yeah. And being on the early side of the curve with that doesn't always make it easier. Were there any organizations or anyone you were able to kind of reach out to, or how did you navigate through that? 
yeah, I think navigating through it was challenging because I think every organization around us was navigating that same process. Uh, we have the advantage of having a, an extremely talented and experienced lab director who led this process and, and got us through to the testing and validation of that system. So that helped significantly to have that expertise in-house to stand up that equipment, get it certified and get it moving along. Uh, we also have a very talented and innovative supply chain team that was able to source the testing media and transport media necessary to get those tests to the testing equipment. So that was very important for us to have that team around us to, to build that up. One of the things that we have been very proud of is we have maintained even to today, uh, 24 to 72 hour turnaround time. We rarely see a 72 hour turnaround time. Most of our tests are coming back in the 24 to 36 hour turnaround time. Uh, we have partnered with many of our local extended care facilities, long-term care facilities who are seeing nine day turnaround times with some mm. of their testing. We have created a team that has gone out to these locations, done the collection, done the processing, done the results reporting, and they're getting their results in 24 to 36 hours, which is unheard of at the beginning and still quite rare now. Oh, yeah. And as far as some of the uh, initiatives that had to be put on hold, you mentioned that the building, how did that go just as far as when you determined that it was okay to kind of get back on track with some of these initiatives? Yeah, we, we follow the guidelines that are shared throughout the healthcare community in terms of when it's safe to go back to work, when it's safe to have people working in that environment. When we're able to, you know, Michigan had was very early to establish some very strong restrictions for business operations. And that, I think, is what has gone quite well for Michigan so far. And so following that guidance from the CDC, following the guidance from the Department of Health and Human Services from the state of Michigan, when those folks arrived at the conclusion that it was okay for certain businesses to come back in and establish their work again, we were able to continue with that as well. We're still in the point of still erecting steel and putting, putting roof trusses in and those types of things in the facility. So the building's not even closed in yet. So very early on right. in the process. So when we had to stop work, we made the construction site safe, and then we decided to pause until it was, until everyone, including the, the contractors themselves, the, the organization, and the health department, the CDC all said that it was safe to go back to work. Right, right. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.